Welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm Rhonda Blevins. And I'm David Brown. Rhonda, you and I have been in ministry a while now. Looking back on your seminary training? Well, that would take us way back, wouldn't it? Yeah, me too. (laughs) So looking way back, do you think that you learned everything you needed to know for the pastor life with your seminary education? Not even close. I mean, I learned how to exegete a text with the best of them, but I sure could have used a lesson in plunging the toilet in the men's room. Exactly, exactly. I knew about Q before it was a thing, but I was a little weak on the ABCs of managing a church budget. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So in this episode of Pastor Life, David and I are going to share our top 10 things we didn't learn in seminary. And I'd venture to guess that the pastors listening in could probably add a few things of their own to our list. I'd say you're right. So let's have a little fun and talk about the partially educated pastor life. As we start our list of the top 10 things we didn't learn in seminary, number 10 rolls in. How to Michael Scott. Do you know who I'm talking about when I say Michael Scott? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The office. Love it. The That's right. The office. So how to manage. Not something that I feel like I got a really good education in in seminary. So there is lots to learn about managing when you're a pastor. You've got uh, church finances. You've got personnel. Um, I remember sitting in my very first finance team meeting as an associate pastor, and you know how they hand you the documents, the, you know, like the profit and loss statement. And I remember looking at that being so lost and just kind of looking at it, nodding, acting like I knew what I was looking at. Yeah, the nod and the smile works really well, right? <laughs> right, right. And, you know, following along and, and trying to, oh, they're online, you know, 727. Uh, right. y- yes, I, <laughs> I agree. So I, yeah, I agree. I concur. Uh, so you didn't have a lesson in how to read a profit and loss statement, didn't have a lesson in um, anything related to human resources, would have come in handy um, when I became a pastor. Yeah. So did you end up taking most of your lessons on management from Michael Scott? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I probably manage about as well as he did too. (laughs) That's great. So uh, number nine on the list is how to cruise director. And Mm. I think this could have easily been how to travel agent. Um, how uh-huh. to tour guide or how to VBS director. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think coming out of seminary and a lot of my early time in ministry, I mean, actually, the first 20 years of my ministry was campus ministry, youth ministry focused. Um, that was at least a part of my job for a, a couple of decades. And honestly, planning trips and coordinating moving people from one place to another. Uh, That just seemed to be a huge skill set that I think I had to develop on my own. Yeah, I think a lot of us get into um, age group ministry right out of seminary. I was a campus minister for a lot of years and, you know, planning overseas mission trips. I never had a lesson and how to how to get 18 year old kids to get their passports. (laughs) You know, those are things they just didn't teach in seminary. So how to cruise director and part of it, you know, part of being a pastor is keeping spirits um, high, keeping keeping the atmosphere positive. I think that's really important. So 
I think how to be a good cruise director is part of uh, part of the education on the job, I guess. And there's lots of logistics and details in that, right? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yep. All right. Number eight on our list is how to committee. David, have you ever sat in a committee meeting? Oh, never. Nope. Never. <laughs> Definitely not one of the parts of the pastor life, right? No, no, no. How to committee. Um, I, I had a, a, a senior pastor that I worked under. He always used to say, I'm in sales, not management. And so he would kind of try to weasel out of a lot of the committee work. Um, and then one time at another church, I had um, a guy who was just obsessed with the Roberts Rules of Order. He was the parliamentarian. And, and he just, it had to be every Everything had to be just so, right? You ever had one of those guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I had a colleague in ministry who um, she would say to that person, well, what we really need to follow is Roberta's rules. <laughs> I'm all about that. Yeah. And, the, you know, the committee work, it takes, you know, a year to make a decision that anybody on our own, any pastor could make in 10 minutes, right? It takes a year to get there. And that's part of building consensus, which is never something I really learned in seminary. Yeah, I think Consensus is probably a, a heavy emphasis in Roberta's rules, if not mm. in Roberts. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think this is all about leadership too. This is about how do you how do you work with people or in the midst of people. And mm -hmm. many of us think, oh, as pastors, or maybe the image of it is we're leading out front, uh, when a lot of the leadership comes from right in the midst of people. That's right. All right. So number seven on the top ten list. How to building. Uh, how and, to building. And there is lots of stuff in the how to building category. You know, brick and mortar uh, and particularly aging brick and mortar brings mm -hmm. all sorts of unexpected problems. And when those problems come along, everybody turns to the pastor. That's right. Not only dealing with problems, but keeping the building fresh and updated. And for instance, we're getting ready to launch a capital improvement project and it just grows and grows. Well, if you change the carpet, then you might as well paint and, and projects like that grow and grow and the budget grows and grows and people are like, what's happening? Well, and they definitely taught you how to lead a capital campaign in seminary, right? I'm not sure I had that class. Did you have that I class? I did not have that class and I did not... <laughs> I did not have the class either on how to stop a running urinal. And you know, mm. not this isn't like the old joke oh. of you you chase it down. No. <laughs> this is uh, uh the same colleague that fought for Roberta's rules. Uh she also taught me that you need in your bottom right desk drawer to have a tool set. And mm. so the uh, screwdriver could come out and it could pop the little cap off the urinal. And there's a little screw in there that you screw in, loosen it or tighten it a little bit to keep the urinal from running. My first year at the church I'm serving now, I spent hours talking about a urinal because we were doing... <laughs> We were doing a remodeling project, and there was this whole debate about what to do with the urinal. So, wow, urinal. <laughs> These are big decisions. Right. Yeah, I know, right? Okay, so number six, <clears throat> how to liquor store. Nice, nice. <laughs> Especially for us so, Baptists, right? You know, you know, the Baptist um, in my first uh, time at this church where I'm at now, and I, I was in charge of buying the communion wine. And so I had the church credit card and I went to the liquor store and I was kind of just sneaking around hoping nobody saw me. I'm like, I have the church credit card. That's great. I, I don't remember the full story. Somebody that knows it will have to tell me uh, the, the details, but there was a story from one of my previous churches of a group of people 
in the church bus pulling in to the liquor store parking lot. I can't remember <laughs> what the details of that story were, but I'm sure that was a great image. I think there's been more than one church bus at a liquor store. And then I was in charge of buying the wine, like I said, and I had no idea what kind of wine to buy. And so uh, I bought this wine that apparently was terrible. Mm. <laughs> and so as, as we're in the middle of communion, I'm looking out at people and they're, they're making these awful expressions. And That's like so they're about funny. To, like they're about to vomit. So well, anyway, you could add in liquor store. You could add into that conversation what type of bread to buy for communion, right? In the age <laughs> right? of gluten-free bread. And I remember a story that one of our uh, matriarchs at a, a church used to tell about when she was the chairperson of the communion committee. And she didn't realize when she ran out to buy bread for communion that the pita bread she picked up was onion and chive pita bread Mm. until she saw some of the faces the next day in the sanctuary. (laughs) I bet. Well, let's pause here, David, and talk about, since this is our last episode of uh, season one of Pastor Life, let's take a break to tell our listeners what we're cooking up for season two. Sure. This is our final episode of Pastor Life for Season 1, and Rhonda and I so far have had a blast launching this pod, and we're already making plans for Season 2, planning probably to launch a couple of weeks after Easter. We want to do a deep dive into something timely for pastors, so we've decided to take several episodes to explore how we can lead our churches to come back strong, maybe even stronger, after covid So together, we'll walk through Pinnacle team leader Mark Tidsworth's book, Reshape, hopefully bringing Mark and some other guests into the conversation. So as we're all reshaping church, David, would you say we're reshaping Pastor Life Pod? Hey, sure. Yeah. Come back for season two a little wiser and a little more tech savvy. Just like pastors after COVID. For sure. So listeners, stay tuned for season two of Pastor Life, coming back after COVID. All right, so diving into the second half of our top 10 list, coming in at number five, how to fight or flight, or maybe you could say, should I stay or should I go? <laughs> you know, I think for pastors, that sense of discernment about how long to stay in one place or how to how to feel the cues or the nudgings of the spirit, mm-hmm. you know, when is it worth staying and and sort of battling it out in a difficult situation? When might that actually help change the culture of a church if the culture has been you know, the short-term here and gone pastor? Or or when is it time to go? When has your sort of ministry run there accomplished some of the things that it needed to? And it's just naturally the time to move on. Yeah, I I, I love this. I And I don't remember having conversations about this in seminary. Maybe we did. But um, but but there's a lot of discernment. There are times when it's, it seems like it would just be easier to pick up and run. Um, and, you know, when really probably not only for the church, but for the pastor's own personal growth, it's probably time to hunker down and grow through some things together. Yeah, I remember when I was just starting in my first church after seminary, Hardy Clemens, who was the retired pastor of First Baptist Greenville, 
and was sort of known as the Bishop of South Carolina, he called me up and invited me out to lunch and we just had a great conversation. It was really heartwarming to me, especially that point in my ministry to have somebody with the experience and the wisdom that he had to to take the time to invest in me. One of the things he said in that very first meeting we had is, David, I have always tried to lean in to where I am. And he didn't really interpret it all that much, but that mm. phrase hung with me, you know, leaning into where I am and it, it, and it taking a movement of the spirit to move me in a different direction, feeling like mm-hmm. there was a certain amount of confidence that God had brought me to that place and that time and to lean into to where I was. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really good to lean in. And, you know, and sometimes it's just clear as day when you when it's time to go. Yes. <laughs> you know, if, if you get the pink slip for one. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's not our choice, right? Right. You know, <laughs> right the discernment right. did not happen on our end. <laughs> All right. Well, coming in at number four, how to tech. Over this past year, I have learned a lot of new technology that I never thought I would need in the ministry, never had interest in learning when I was in seminary, Uh, some things I did pick up along the way. But for instance, this past year, I learned how to do video editing. I know a lot of our pastor friends have had to do their own video editing. Um, And then some other things along the way, um, I've learned how to put my sermons into podcast form. I've learned how to Facebook. I've learned how to run a sound system. But in seminary, I don't remember us ever talking about building a digital platform. Did you talk about that at your seminary? Did digital platforms even exist when we were in seminary? (laughs) Oh, we're dating ourselves. That's exactly right. Uh, You are so right about this one, though. We have all made quite a bit of adaptive change in this area over the last year, whether we wanted to or not. And I want to just commend you. I, I feel like I'm still behind in a lot of these areas, but I have just loved watching you and learning from you in a lot of these areas. And, you know, truthfully, the credit for the way that this podcast is sounding and I think improving along the way, that's really, improving. That, <laughs> I hope. that's really a credit to you. Uh, you know, a, a year ago, we didn't have any idea that we would be preaching into video cameras as our yeah. primary way of leading worship. And part of the tech thing for me, and and I think, you know, for a lot of pastors, I, I think we should always remain curious. And one of the things I am curious about is, uh, you know, some new technology and things like that. Other pastors have curiosity in other areas, but it's one way that I've found to keep growing. Um, and it seems to apply in the world that we find ourselves in. So yeah, yeah for how sure. to tech. For sure. How to tech. Well, coming in at number three, how to boundary. Uh, how do dun, dun, dun. Exactly. <laughs> oh. How can we as pastors set healthy boundaries in life and work? You know, especially in a digital world, you know, there are added challenges to this. How do we boundary online? And when working from home has become a part of the pastor life, like it has Mm -hmm. become a part of many other working people's lives, how do we create boundaries from personal to uh, our public persona and our roles that we play? I'm sure that there were uh, nods to this, and there was some amount of teaching around this for me in seminary. 
I have a feeling that seminaries have gotten better at this over time. What do you think? I would guess so. I, I would hope so. You know, for instance, the, the 10 o'clock text message about the children's program the next day. A, a few years ago, that wasn't an issue because we weren't texting, right? A personal boundary that I've said is I've gotten off Facebook. It just wasn't healthy for me. I, I'll have to get on there occasionally, but I've gotten off Facebook and it's been uh, life-giving. Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime we can intentionally think about our boundaries, even if like me, we're not all that good at setting them, I think just having the intention of there ought to be some amount of space between personal and public personas. And uh, that's probably even helpful just as a starting point. Yeah. And I think... um... I think a lot of pastors struggle in this area. You and I have talked about this is not maybe our strong suit for either of us. And so how to boundary is a lifelong uh, journey, I think, for pastors. Absolutely. Coming in at number two, how to game face. What I mean by this is as pastors, we are uh, growing and we are changing and our faith is hopefully growing and evolving. And sometimes that means that we are going through crises of faith or personal crises at home and in our personal lives. And yet we have to stand and proclaim. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know if this is the best way to think about it, but how to game face, how to keep going in our role and our public persona as pastors in the midst of personal crisis. Yeah, this is a tough one too. Um, Maybe we're ending with some of the more difficult ones, at least for (laughs) me personally. The, The game face piece, you know, I think the way that I've tended to think about this is to try to be authentic as much as possible and to give people a view of pastor slash leader as someone who's also in process Yeah, But there are definitely times where the game face has to just be there. And I can think about transitions in my own calling and my own way of living into my ministry roles in the world recently, where I really had kind of a shift in my relationship with the institutional church Mm -hmm. while I was working at institutional churches and receiving paychecks from institutional churches. And so how to navigate that, I think, is something you learn on the fly. There's nothing that could be taught to us in a seminary class, I don't think, about this. Now, I did learn a little something in seminary. To give a little props to the seminary, my preaching professor left me with a nugget that I've held on to. His name was Calvin Miller, and we were talking about this and, and the vulnerability in preaching, but yet having to, uh, to stand and proclaim. And he said, here's, here's the rule of thumb. You can preach from your scars, but you should not preach from your open wounds. Yeah. Because there's a, a catharsis that you're, you're, I guess, hoping for if you're trying, if you're preaching your open wound. So I have taken that and run with it. So I did learn that in seminary. There you go. Well, and I, I, <laughs> I think that idea of doing our own emotional work and maybe our own faith work ahead of time before we get to the, the really public moments of ministry mm-hmm. is probably helpful. All right, so big drum roll, right? Number one on our list of things we did not learn in seminary, how to long haul. Really, when I think about this, it's really about, I think, the idea of church craft to me, how to build practices and how to 
develop a sense of the artistry of ministry that will keep us rolling, that will keep us energized, that will keep us sustainable in ministry. I heard that phrase churchcraft from Marion Aldridge years ago. He was our CBF coordinator in South Carolina. And that phrase of churchcraft, I think in seminary, most of what we learn are the theological building blocks that Mm -hmm. are extremely necessary for a ministry that has integrity and that has a theological grounding. But I think churchcraft is what gives us the chance to make the long haul. Yeah, churchcraft. Um, I I don't know if I've been in a place where I've been th- there for the long haul. The longest I've served is about seven and a half years. And isn't there something about that number seven? They say that you really need to shift something in your in your work if you're going to you know take it to the next seven years. Well, I haven't I haven't made it there. Now the place I'm in now is is great. It's a great fit. I, I hope to be here uh, for a long long time. So, uh, and I didn't learn how to do it in seminary. Yeah, I had a mentor in ministry that said the real ministry begins after you've been a place for seven years. I've okay. done that one time. And I think there was a little bit of something to that in that the trust level was at a different place later mm-hmm. in my time in that ministry setting. But the reality is that I think the long haul is probably as much about our own ability to navigate change and to have sustainable practices in ministry. And I think about people who I have known who've been in places a long time, you know, some pastors who've been there 25, 30 and more years. Right. And even when you talk to them, they will describe their places of ministry as having pastored multiple churches that just happened Ah. to meet in the same location (laughs) over that period of time. You know, I think there's change that's going on constantly around us. And to long haul takes that ability to ebb and flow, to build trust, to to find creative and growing edges, whether that's making a move after seven years or whether that's just shifting into a different phase of ministry in that same place. So number one, how to long haul. So you pastors out there who are long haul pastors, you have our deepest respect. And let us know your secrets. That's right. You know, I think it'd be fun to hear. I don't know. Our our community of listenership is still, I think, developing, but it'd be fun to hear from some of our listeners what they would add to this list or what they would take off of this list. So it would be fun. It would be fun. Maybe we'll hear from some folks. Yeah. Maybe we'll figure out a way to put that on our session notes. Is uh, Maybe you guys could email us. Uh, we'll have our email addresses on our session notes page and uh, email us and we'll we'll create an ongoing list of the top, you know, 20, 30, 50. There you go. <laughs> and I guess one thing you alluded to this earlier, Rhonda, but I do really feel like I learned a lot of really important and wonderful things in my time in seminary. So none of this top 10 list for me is to take away from the really valuable things that I learned both in the classroom and outside of the classroom in seminary. Oh, I think seminary is incredibly formative and very important for pastors. So uh, if we have any seminary professors or presidents listening, thanks for what you do. You do good work. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for this episode and this season of Pastor Life from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. Stay tuned for next season of Pastor Life, coming back after COVID, dropping sometime in April. 
be sure and check out our website at pinlead.com slash pastor life for session notes from this and previous podcast, as well as the snippets that we hope to hear from you after listening. On our website, you can also find information about coach training, workshops, webinars, and coaching cohorts. So you want to hear my funny church urinal story? Hey, yeah. (laughs) I always want to hear a funny church urinal story. (laughs) 